you're listening to a Two Jackets podcast. Check out more at twojackets.com. Welcome to Sham Fiction, the podcast where we break the first rule of fan fiction, that you have to be a fan to write it. We're Two Jackets Productions. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. And I'm Marcus. Here's the format. Each installment, Andrew, Eric, or Marcus will be presented with a media franchise that they are unfamiliar with and challenged to write fan fiction about it. We'll start by giving the author some basics, like characters, overarching plots, and those special elements that make each franchise great. The author will then take this info, throw out what they don't like, add a generous helping of creative license, and come back ready to read their masterpiece for all of us to enjoy. It's fan fiction written by non-fans. It's sham fiction. This week's author is Eric. Hey, bros. Eric here. It's like the second weekend in October, and we right, haven't Eric. done uh, we haven't done anything spooky. I'm wondering, do you You're... have something spooky for me? Well, I, I think first there's a point of order. We need to talk about our squad goals. Oh, uh, all right. Is that what the kids say? Is that I, I've heard that? Yeah, before. I just don't understand what it means. I think it means I need to post some more Instagram photos of my gains. Oh, your what? My gains. <laughs> no, seriously, I don't know what you're talking about. Are, are you getting swole? <laughs> what? <laughs> so, Eric. Yeah, you're right. We do need to do something spooky for this October, uh, but we don't want to just jump the fine people into this. We want to give them a little transition, uh-huh. little little dress up, if you will. So we're going to start out this very spooky October, a spooky-tober, if you will. Doesn't That's really what I would call it. I'll go with it. A little film we like to call Suicide Squad. Yeah. 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 It's a bit All of a stretch. Right. You got your short All shorts right. ready? Uh, yeah, why not? All I can right. make any right shorts, shorts, shorts. I like it. Uh, so yeah, we're going to talk about Suicide Squad. The uh, somewhat controversial David Ayer written and directed flick. Uh, so Suicide Squad, controversial I say, and that the critics said this is a suicide pile. And the fans said, I'm going to give you a suicide pile, a suicide pile of all of my money. Oh. And it made all of the money. <laughs> all uh, right, so, so there's successful. That. Yeah, mate. <laughs> it's just one of the lowest. Uh, I haven't done the research, so I'm just going to say Why this is you? fact. Um, <laughs> so this is just, you know, I am feel it. I feel it. So Sense it's true. the money. Feel the uh, money. So this is the lowest reviewed film to make the most money. So the, oh. the gap between the Rotten Tomato Metacritic style aggregate score and the amount of money is the highest ever. And that's probably true. Why not? <laughs> yeah, why not? Totally verifiable fact. Yes. Yeah. So uh, we will leave it at that. And we're going to talk to you about Suicide Squad, assuming you haven't seen it. I I haven't. I didn't go. I did not add to that pile, unfortunately. Okay, a lot of people did. Yeah. A lot of people piled up. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, this is one that I actually wanted to see too. It's like it, it. I heard it was bad. I think that's my maybe what kept me away. But it's like it's DC. It's villains. What's not to love? It's Harley Quinn. It is Harley Quinn. It is Harley Quinn. Uh, so <laughs> we aren't a review show, but uh, 
I will say I enjoyed this film. It has a lot of things that would cause us to have a long post-episode discussion were you to present it as a sham fiction. Let's no, uh, call those story story concerns. Sure. But it's just, a, it's a lot of fun. And as uh, Andrew might say, this film came together in the edit. It, it seems clear that they created something after they had captured something. And that thing they created is not necessarily what they set out to capture. And there's a billion articles about it. So you can read that. You can listen to Kevin Smith talk about it for years, if you'd like, on his <laughs> podcast. Uh, which is a lot of fun. So, yeah, it's a fun movie. About it? There's a bunch of cool stuff in it. There you go. <laughs> Lay right. it on me, bros. Yeah, and a uh, slight spoiler warning for Suicide Squad and, surprisingly, for Batman v Superman, colon, Dawn of Justice. <laughs> Another film, which I have not seen. I forgot about this that, is, This colon. is the third film in the DC Cinematic Universe, following oh. Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, colon, Dawn of Justice. <laughs> so, alright, here we go. We're going to start telling you how this works. Please. All right, so Suicide Squad is all about the characters, okay? And the first character you need to know about is Ms. Amanda Waller, who is played here, one of my favorite characters in the movie, by Viola Davis. Yeah. And she is the boss boss, right? You do not want to mess with Amanda Waller. She's a high government, like, super secret spy woman. And she's got this plan, because at the end of Batman v Superman, colon... Dawn of Justice. <laughs> uh, Superman's all dead zos, but not what? really. Don't worry. What? They're still making Justice League. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, this is a big spoiler. If you've uh, read a comic in the past 20 years, you uh-huh. may have known that. Oh. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so Superman's all dead zos. Marcus, she says, I think you're, you're not giving Eric enough time to... To, to process, to, to, to process yeah. this. I mean, no, this... for the listeners, the look on his face, the sheer shock—it's gone <laughs> I, I clammy. You kind of you took the you took the, all the gusto out of this for me. I mean, soups, soups well, dead. Soups you know, is dupes dead. If you were to talk to me not in a public podcast, I might say that maybe I felt like Superman died when he just let his father die for no reason. But that's another mm. conversation, Eric, and we got to tell you about Suicide Squad. <laughs> I mean, As he taps okay. his wrist. <laughs> okay. Just, I'll just forget. I'll just forget that even happened. Go on. Go on. All right. Yeah, so Superman's Amanda totally Waller, fine. Cool. The boss boss says Superman is dead, Eric. Uh. And if he was a bad guy instead of a good guy, we would have had no way of stopping him. So what we need is a bunch of bad guys who also have powers. They're metahumans, as we know from The Flash uh, or Arrowverse. And they are going to be our team. And instead of trying to find good people, we're finding these bad people and we're putting explodey brain chips in them. And these explodey brain chips will keep them in line because if they do something out of line, then we will explode their brain chips. And (laughs) that's the setup. So we then get a wham, bam, thinking, ma'am, quick, high octane, high cut, high pop music background with lots of splash graphics of all of these characters who are going to be part of our Suicide Squad, or as it's called, Task Force X. Mm. Uh, and they set out to fight a big bad who makes people into, like, demony monster things. Bubbly Because heads. they have less blood. And that makes it a PG-13 movie, which sells more tickets. Neat. So keep that in mind. It's got to no be PG-13. You no know, blood for kids. 
Yeah, for the kids. For the kids. I'm gonna put so much blood in this. And <laughs> this is not an Andrew Neil joint. Uh, and Andrew. if it's PG thirteen, then you can sell all your spooky Tober costumes, and ooh, you can sell ooh. all your uh, action figures. Ooh, ooh, guys, everybody, go out and buy a costume from this film. That's uh, I, I think is called Suicide Squid. Yes, I think that is correct. The Sharknado <laughs> spinoff, Suicide Squid. Yes. <laughs> It, you think it's a fun movie, but Suicide Squid is actually really dark and reflective. <laughs> what brought this squid to this point? He's trying to he's trying to cut all his tentacles, and he can't do it because he regenerates <laughs> too fast. Because oh, he's a metahuman. I get it. Oh, but also a squid. Forget. Also a squid. Yeah. Also, gosh, guys, guys, we need to cut that out. <laughs> That's gold. That's blacklist material right there. This is pretty bad. Uh, so. Mr. Neil, Andrew, my friend. Yes, sir. Let's start introducing the squid oh, with our I love little splash the... cards. Oh, splash uh, cards. And there are also people who aren't in the squid, and we'll have to talk about them too. But let's go through the squid first. Yeah, squid first. All right, we're starting with Floyd Lawton, a.k.a. Deadshot, played oh, by yes. Will Miami Smith. <laughs> <laughs> the Fresh Prince himself. So, Deadshot's thing is that he never misses when a shot is fired. He always hits what he is aiming for. Hey, he might shoot and you go, whoa, Deadshot, that missed. But then you realized he wanted to hit something else that you weren't knowing about. So, So he's just always like, yeah, meant to do that. Sup. (laughs) I like the idea. He never shoots anything successfully. He's like, yeah, but but I wanted to do that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> nah, man, nah. He always hits something. Um, but uh, so Deadshot's past is that this guy, he's a family man. He has a daughter who knows that he does these bad things. So he's a he's a, he's a a hitman who never yeah. misses anything. That's a key point. He's a hitman. But he never kills women or children because he has a code. But he loves he that also... daughter. He wants to get home to his daughter. He wants to get out of jail, spend time with his little kid. And he never swears or does anything mean. Nope. He's kind of a nice. He's kind nice of a nice dude. Kind of I, mean, guy. I mean, he's a bit of a bamf, you know. He says sassy things to the cops, but uh, he's a pretty chill dude. Right. He's one of your two heroes in the film, so it's really him and this next character, Doctor Harleen Quinzel. Huh? I know who that is. Or Harley Quinn. Oh, I was wrong. Uh, <laughs> I was guessing it was Batman. Batman yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so Harley Quinn, this is the first screen appearance of Harley Quinn, which is super exciting, created by Paul Dini on the Bruce Tim Batman the Animated Series show back Woo! in the 90s, Woo! made it into comics, Woo! made it into animated films, and made it now onto the screen, played by Margot Robbie, and fantastic portrayal. Uh, yeah. I, I think, th- I want to I see more out of her Harley Quinn. I want to see a little bit more depth, a little bit more opportunity. I've heard that there's just a lot of shots of her butt. There are a few. Yeah. Uh, I think that was exaggerated. I think it was definitely exaggerated. Not as yeah. big of a problem as it as it seemed to be L- to the critics. Let me just tell you, as a connoisseur of the Fast and Furious <laughs> franchise... I, I thought you were going a whole different direction with that. Oh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, little ties into this but uh yeah fast and furious films have way more booty shots than this movie does like 10 times more <laughs> yeah. and that is this, like uh, you know the top of didn't the feel the very very <laughs> yes, yes. in the most part i gotcha all right anyway Har- harley uh, quinn harley quinn 
So she's she's a uh, what I call crazy pants and short pants is uh, Harley <laughs> Quinn, right? She is former psychiatrist who fell in love with the Joker, and that didn't end up working well because the Joker's also crazy pants, although he has longer pants. And <laughs> yeah. uh, she just went insane. She has this fantasy of being the Joker's bride and having his children, and in this film, she just wants to get back to him. So she has a lot of Joker-like qualities where she wreaks mayhem and just is kooky. She'll talk to herself sometimes. She'll try to throw people off their ease with her craziness. Uh, she's flirty. She stays super uh, smiley and positive throughout while she can, putting up this facade. And she's the only one there who's really just having to have, trying to have some fun. Uh, so she doesn't have superpowers, but her strengths are she's acrobatic, she's physically fit, and she can hit things with a baseball bat. Neat. So that's uh, that's Harley Quinn. She's kind of, like I said, her and Floyd Lawton Deadshot are the leads in this film. All right. But there are probably like two or three other characters, right, Andrew? Yeah, we got to get to the rest of the squid. <laughs> um, next up is George Digger Harkness, a.k.a. Captain Boomerang. What? Okay. Captain Boomerang. And Captain Boomerang is an Australian gentleman, and he is a bank robber, and he talks like an Australian, and he uses boomerangs that have knives on them sometimes. Yep. And that's all you really need to know. Neat. <laughs> He's a Flash villain. There you go. He's gotcha. brought in by the Flash at one point. Uh, he doesn't also use enough boomerangs in the movie. Oh, so use more boomerangs. That's, that's more boomerangs. That's not a bonus point. Just, 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 just do that. <laughs> I'll try. All right. Next up, Marcus. Uh, you got El Diablo. So he's a really strong metahuman, probably the strongest in the group. He's kind of a former gangbanger who has a mysterious past, and he also has super flame powers. He can make flames and control flames like a pyromancer of sorts if you're a nerd. Mm. Uh, and they make a huge point out of how they don't know how much power he has. But he doesn't want to use his powers because he has a dark past. So those are two things that you might be able to play with. How much right. power does he have? What does that mean? And what is his dark past? That is El Diablo. He also gotcha. has crazy skull tattoos. Yeah, he's tatted all over himself. That guy, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up is Waylon Jones, a.k.a. Killer Croc. And Killer Croc is a guy who vaguely looks like a crocodile. He's scaly. <laughs> He's got weird blinky eyes that go from the sides, which is really cool. And he can breathe underwater. He lives in the sewers. He's super strong, so he's the guy that usually lips and throws guys and just kind of dives in and uses his mitts instead of guns or anything to fight people. Sure. Bites he's people. A, he's a heavy. Yeah, he's the heavy guy. And he's mean. He's 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 definitely, um, he's still a guy. He's still a man. He talks. But he's very animalistic. Very reptilian. Yeah. And so those are all the characters who get their own little special introduction. Right, they all get the little flash scene where they're like, Harley Quinn loves the Joker, Master Acrobat, Deadshot yeah. never misses, and you get all these little graphics, and it's like mm -hmm. a trailer. Uh, but then there are other people that we need to know about. 
And this is going to be one of those episodes where you get a ton of characters. Because this movie is nothing if it doesn't have a ton of characters. Uh, so we'll, we'll rapid fire a few of these. Yes. Okay. Um, so first up, you got the Joker. You don't need to know anything about the Joker. He's just, you know, the hot topic Joker. He's he's kind of <laughs> uh, more visual than other Jokers we've seen before. He's still crazy. But he seems to be more together than we've seen. And he seems to genuinely care about Harley in this movie. Which is definitely a point of contention for some. Uh, he doesn't need to be in your shamfic if you do not wish, because he's not part of the squid. And yeah, he, he can only cameo. shows up a couple times in the movie. He, he can, can cameo if you want. Make him your own. Uh, then there's the power couple, okay? You oh, got yes. Colonel Rick Flag, and you have Dr. June Moon, also known as the Enchantress, okay? And this is, this is where all the trouble comes in. Uh-oh. Lots of trouble here. Uh, Rick Flagg is an Army Special Forces officer who ends up leading the Suicide Squad. He doesn't get a explodey brain chip. He is part of the military, uh, and he holds the kill box, so he's in charge of the explodey brain chips. And his power is that he can use any weapon. Uh, but we don't really see that happen much. Okay. He uses a couple guns, I think. Yeah, Deadshot um, It's more like that. Deadshot can pick up any gun and never miss. It's true. <laughs> so when we say you never miss, there's a scene where he's shooting fully automatic weapons into a hole the size of a bullet 50 yards down a range, which is physically impossible, I will and point they're all, out. And they're all getting in? Yeah, yeah. Just drills a hole through this metal uh, target. It's, it's fantastic. It's a brilliant scene because it's Will Smith. Uh, all right, but who is Rick Flag in love with? Who's the other part of this power couple, Mr. Neil? So I just want to really quick clarify on that kill box thing so he has the power yeah, kill to to kill them all whenever he wants um but if he dies waller has a backup and waller will kill them so they oh, have to boy, keep this see. guy alive they can't just yes. kill him gotcha. all right but yes the uh the better half of these doomed lovers is dr june moon the enchantress so dr moon is an archaeologist and yes, she and Rick Flag, as Marcus has written here, are boinking. <laughs> like with their boinkers. Yeah. It's PG 13, uh, safe word. And uh, as I remember, they weren't supposed to be boinking. Um, that, was, uh, that was a no no, but they were doing it anyway. Um, but Waller knows, because she knows it. She knows why weren't they? Why, why shouldn't they have been boinking? Well, well uh, see, here's the deal, uh, Eric. Uh, Dr. Moon is currently possessed by the Enchantress. Uh, the Enchantress Whoa. is an ancient ghost being that, like, has unlimited power. <laughs> All right. And she's kind of ghosty. She looks very voodoo. She's actually a really, really well-designed, or like she's very striking uh, visually. She has very misty, there's always mist around her, like flares, like embers are crackling. Very striking character. Um, but yeah, she, uh, she freaks out. She takes over, and instead of joining the group, says, I'm going to destroy the world and take over the world <laughs> in, in the ashes or whatever. And so now, instead of joining the Suicide Squad, the Suicide Squad, whoa, has to fight her and save the world. Wow. Wow, we're counting on the bad guys now. (laughs) Uh, And then we've got 
two more people I'm going to throw out for you here. Oh, good. Uh, one, because I have to, because she's a cool character. Super cool. Is Katana. Oh, she yeah. Is, uh, she speaks Japanese in the film. She has a cool, like, Japanese sun mask. Yeah. Uh, white with a red sun on it. Uh-huh. And she has a katana, or sword, that uh, <laughs> eats the souls of its victims. Whoa. And her dead husband's soul is in the sword. And she's only in it for, like, two minutes. That's so, so that happens. That sword has been upgraded with soul trap? Wow. It's, it's got soul trap. And then here's my favorite, right? We told you about the, the, the clicky, explodey brain chips, right? Yep. So right after they give you all these cool introductions, they're like, oh, yeah, and Slipknot's coming, too. <laughs> like the band? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Alright, I'm putting not, the band, the band. In this. I'm, I'm sorry, in I just, I, like, I should have known that, but, like, it never really clicked in until now. <laughs> so, yeah, All this right. guy, this guy, they're like, this guy's coming to his name, Slipknot, he has rope powers, and then two minutes within introducing him, they use his chip to show that it works. Um, <laughs> and that's my favorite thing in the entire movie. Um, <laughs> it's that's hilarious. Great. So... Let's talk just a little bit about what you could write and a couple things that make this movie this movie. Okay. Uh, so first off, this is a PG-13 movie, and that was abundantly clear throughout, uh, both in terms of the fight against these poofy monster people who have bulbous kind of growths instead of humans or blood. Uh, and it's just there's a ton of people saying that they're bad, but we never see them do bad things. Mm. Right, so this this was pitched as these are the bad guys doing something good, but these seem like pretty decent guys. Uh, so when the chips are down, they all have their morals and they all have respect for each other and human life. There's no wanton violence or killing in this film. Mm. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Disappointed, harumph. There are also splash graphics, so that's, oh. that happens like, like zip in a Tarantino bam. film. Oh, yeah. okay. Exactly. Like, no, not, not like 66 Batman. That would that, have been that's, amazing. That's the first thing I thought of. So yeah. that's what's Scott Pilgrim style. Oh, I'd love that. You uh, could do so, some of that. Let me know. I'll, I'll add it for you. So you can you can run it, make your own story with this, because this is all what makes this movie fun, and the critics would tear apart the plot, I think rightfully so in some respects. But it was easy to overlook that this was just fun. Is there some good actors, some interesting characters that we haven't seen before? And for a lot of people, you know, especially our generation who grew up with that Batman animated series, Mm -hmm. you get a lot of points just for having Harley Quinn, one of our characters, brought onto film for the first time. Yeah. And that's that's a cool experience, and they did a good job with that character, even if we didn't get to see the depth of that relationship between her and the Joker. There's a lot of elements in the film, like pieces of the film, where you go... They just thought, or someone at some point just said, wouldn't it be cool if this happened? <laughs> yeah. And and we see it. Maybe it doesn't make a lot of sense or fit in with everything else, but it's pretty cool. So, unless you have any questions, I'm ready to give you some bonus points. Yes, bonus points. All right. Well, I, I'm ready with my bonus points. Are you prepared, Andrew? <laughs> I was born ready. <laughs> That's your metahuman power to always have bonus points ready. Yep. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, Not making them up as I go. <laughs> so I'm giving you I'm giving you two parts to the bonus points here. Uh-oh. No, I'm only gonna give you one. I'm gonna okay. give you the easy one. What's up? So uh, the 
name of the group officially is Task Force X, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, this movie is called Suicide Squad or Squid, depending upon who you ask. <laughs> and of course, you got to have a character realizing that, hold on a minute, you're saying this is some sort of Suicide Squad <laughs> in the course of the movie. Hey, that's the title of the film. Yeah, yeah. And uh, right. I I want to see you do that in some clever way other than someone just saying, you say this is some kind of Suicide Squad or you think this, what are we, some kind of Suicide Squad? Bring it in in an even more clever or ridiculous way than that and you will <laughs> achieve my bonus points. Okay, somehow mention the title of the film. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. Right. And my bonus points are going to be that I want you to impress me with something that Captain Boomerang does. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> I I will try my very darndest. And you're you're welcome to have Batman or the Flash cameo because both of them cameo in this in this picture. Oh, really? Yep. Oh. I Lots of flashbacks no in this film. So we, we see them in flashbacks. Oh, flashbacks. Oh, you got it. You got flashbacks. it. Flashbacks. Yeah, yeah, we got it. All right. <laughs> All right. This this sounds fun. I'm uh, I'm actually really excited for this. Me I'm too. Gonna go, I'm gonna go put on my Harley Quinn costume and uh, get a typing. All righty. We'll see you soon. Ooh, that's tight. Hey, Sham listeners, if you like the show, there are two things you can do that'll really help us out. The first is subscribe. You'll get a new episode every week in 2016 without fail. That's our pledge to you. And that'll be delivered automatically to your device. Beyond that, you can really help us out by writing a review. Let other people know what the show's about, what your experience has been. And if it's positive, all the better. If you don't feel like you can write a positive review, think about it as a writing challenge. You think you're better than us? Write a sham fiction of a good review. Make us believe that you believe in us. I know you can do it. Anyway, thanks for listening. So, Andrew, while Eric is off composing his suicide squid, (laughs) what do you think it might be about? Uh, Other than uh, a a suicide squid? A literal squid? A literal squid squid (laughs) who is just done with life. (laughs) I've had enough. I want my secret bonus points to be that they're up against an actual squid. Like, it's a giant squid attacking the city. That would be amazing. Um, that would be amazing. But I don't think he's going to go that route. Zack uh, Snyder, though, does not like giant squids attacking the city. He doesn't. He cuts them he out. He would not approve. Yeah. He turns them into just giant particle explosions or something like that that I don't really remember. But no. uh, uh, all you Watchmen fans are just out there just so disappointed, aren't you? It's tough. It's tough. Yeah, we're still we're still coping. But anyway, but the the, the opening credits were pretty cool. <laughs> um, it's true. <laughs> so uh, my my real secret bonus points are going to be um, that he put some sort of DC hero in his piece. So we had mentioned, I believe, Batman and and the Flash in the pitch. Um, so either of those two are on the table, but it doesn't, it's not, I'm not saying that it needs to be specific to those two. It can be anybody. We can, we can even get a, get a, a Jean in there, a Martian Manhunter, Ooh, if you Jean will. Ooh, Jones? <laughs> John Jones? 
Uh, would, would he still get the points if it got confused and included a Marvel character? You know what? I'll give it to him. Yeah, <laughs> I will. <laughs> if Iron Man shows up, I won't care. I'll be Just happy because it'll still make me happy. So yeah, that's all I, I want you. in the end. So what do all you right. think? So we, we've talked a little bit about uh, the booty shorts in this. Mm, mm-hmm. I think what I want to see is some good old fashioned male objectification. Ooh. Which we, we've come to know is one of Eric Carlton's specialties from his Arrow encounter. Well, and also Magic Mike XXL. But, and, uh, and Magic Mike XXL, so, you know. Though that kind of went without saying. But, uh, yeah. No, I get that. Like, if we, we we get some descriptions of things fitting particularly tight in certain places. Exactly. Okay, I'm all about that. That'd make me happy, got too. Got all the right bulge in all the right places. <laughs> <laughs> the bumps are where the bumps should be. Some sugar lumps on display, and that'll be my secret bonus points. Oh, that sounds great. I'm into that. I'm excited. I just, I, you know, I don't think anyone knows how to write Suicide Squad in film form. So we'll see how how they do it in uh, sham fiction form. Yeah, sham fiction. Very excited. Yeah. All right. All right, let's bring them in. Let's do it. Boy, that is a depressed cephalopod. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no! What can we do? What can we do to save him? The problem is just takes a squid so long to do it, like one arm at a time. (laughs) Exactly. It's just, but it's prone to self harm. I feel bad for it. I feel bad about it. I don't really want to watch or listen. But there it is. You ready to hear my story about the suicidal squid? (laughs) Yes. A thousand times yes. Fantastic. I'm going to dive right in. Ooh, dive. Water metaphor. The disembodied voice of Santana, codenamed El Diablo, buzzed throughout the windowless room like an angry wasp. Traitor! He said over and over, between the intermittent pops and distortion-laden booms that accompanied his flaming attacks. Of the eight small monitors arranged in two rows of four on the concrete wall, only one currently displayed an image. The rest were just popcorn static, digital noise that told Waller that most of the team had either died or, more likely, had destroyed their headsets in an act of defiance. The last working display contained the label Cole Flag. It was unsurprising that the colonel's feed would be the only one still active, and his audio was now being fed through a small set of speakers mounted above the monitors. In the fuzzy, digital-artifacted video stream, Waller could see that Flag was holding his ground behind a cement truck, occasionally firing bursts of semi-automatic rifle fire towards the unmistakably menacing form of El Diablo, the audio of which translated to an unlistenable drum roll of extremely loud static. Mute, Waller said, and the audio cut out. A flash of white light consumed the screen for a moment before Flag turned away from the fireball and began sprinting the opposite direction in silence, looking for new cover from the powerful metahuman's flaming onslaught. It was war. Task Force X had fallen apart at the seams, and the Joker was there to remind her. Why can't they all just play nice, he said, (laughs) punctuated by a disturbing titter. Why, your commandos are a regular suicide squad, aren't they? (laughs) She glared at him a moment before nodding to the two AR-16-wielding guards standing to either side of the deranged clown. They both dutifully kicked his legs out from under him and pressed the barrels of their guns to, their, to the green hair on the back of his head. 
He laughed again, louder this time, his ghost-wise white face stretching into a cartoonish mask of sadistic glee. She reached into the inside pocket of her jacket and grabbed the last cigarette out of the crumpled pack of silk cuts. She casually put it to her mouth and lit with a match while watching the monitor, all the while trying to ignore the Joker's insidiously growing laughter. It was galling, being stuck in this bunker with the likes of this man if you could call him a man. Unfortunately, she was forced to take drastic measures and sequester herself and her prisoner in a room immune to the Enchantress's powers. It was a quirk about the thick walls and old lead paint that Task Force X had discovered entirely by accident. As long as she was in this room and the Enchantress was somewhere out there, the witch wouldn't be able to affect her mind. On the monitor, Flag turned back and lobbed a grenade towards El Diablo. It exploded mere feet from the pyromancer, but he casually directed the blast away from himself and back towards Flag. The concrete room shook slightly, and dust fell from the cracks in the ceiling. The Joker's laughter subsided, and he said, Awful close, don't you think, Miss Waller? Maybe it's time you take Agent Scully and the Colonel out. She didn't need to look at him to know that he was referring to the black metal box sitting on the desk beneath the monitors. Inside were several toggle switches, each labeled with the name of a different member of the team. She eyed it for a moment, but turned to the Joker, putting on a grim face. And what if I decided to take out Dr. Quinzel instead? Predictably, he laughed at this. Maybe you should have put one of your fancy little bombs inside the witch's head. Though, I will say that this is much more entertaining, watching them (laughs) fight against themselves on (laughs) pay-per-view. More laughter. For a moment, Waller regretted missing her opportunity to shove a chip inside this asshole's brain. (laughs) But then she remembered that she didn't need it. Kill him, she said coldly. Both of her guards cocked their weapons, and a flash of genuine panic flew across the Joker's face. It was the most satisfying thing she had ever seen. 86 that, she said immediately, and the guards obediently stood down. The maniac looked to either side, breathing heavily, before he started laughing again. Oh, you're funny, he said with a tone of glee. I underestimated you. You'll find that I'm completely in control of this situation, she said, turning back towards the monitor, which now displayed Colonel Flagg sprinting down a very familiar back alley. What's he doing coming this close? She thought to herself. Control? The Joker asked with a laugh. What about your Boy Scout? Flagg was his name? He's gone a wee bit rogue, it seems. And doesn't he have his own kill box? She wasn't sure how he knew about Flagg's box. But she nodded. (laughs) And aren't you afraid he's going to use it? She was. Flag sprinted through a door to get out of the alley and right up to a feminine figure that appeared to be smoking at the seams. For a brief moment, the video feed was filled with the hauntingly beautiful yet distorted face of Dr. June Moon. Not Moon, Waller reminded herself. The Enchantress. Moon isn't steering this ship anymore. Volume up. She said aloud, and the audio feed returned to the little room. She only caught the tail end of whatever Flag had been saying. Won't let them hurt you, he said, trying to catch his breath. Before Moon could respond, however, a roaring burst of static filled the speakers, accompanied by another flash of light on the screen. This explosion was so close that Waller could feel the rumble below her feet. 
Flag gave a pained scream, and the, light on, and the light on screen made way for darkness as he covered his face to protect himself from the flames. El Diablo's voice rang out, rang out again. Hiding, Colonel? She can't protect you! I've been let loose, a time bomb ready to blow. I'm more powerful than her in every conceivable way. (laughs) After a moment, the image brightened again and a very familiar black box appeared in frame, held in front of Flag's face by his gloved hands. He's going to take out the baldy, Joker said calmly from behind her. Better stop him or the witch wins the day. He laughed quietly to himself with apparent relish. The box opened, and an identical set of switches to the one on Waller's desk appeared in the small monitor. Although the feed was not of high quality, it was obvious that this box was the exact twin of Waller's own. Save for one small detail. She looked down at her own kill box, noting the additional, unlabeled switch below the others. The one that she hadn't told Flag about. Flag doesn't have a brain chip, she said aloud. It wasn't a lie. Colonel Flagg had been assigned leadership of the ragtag team of superpowered criminals, but he himself was not one of them. He wouldn't have to endure the indignity of having a small explosive device placed inside his skull. That didn't mean, however, that Waller had refrained from creating safeguards in case Flagg's position became compromised. <sighs> her finger hovered over the unlabeled switch, waiting for Flagg to force her to use it. It was a worst-case scenario contingency to be sure, If she decided to pull back the clear plastic cover and hit the switch, it would all be over. She hesitated. I knew you were soft, El Diablo taunted again as he slowly walked closer and closer to Flag, the skull tattoo on his face looking like the very specter of death in the dancing light of his flames. For the first time, Waller could see that the entire facade of whatever building Flag and Moon had taken shelter in had been torn away by the metahuman's flames and the other members of Task Force X stood at a distance, watching stoically from the street. This struck Waller as odd. Why are they holding back? She wondered, glancing at the distant figure of Floyd Deadshot Lawton, holding his sniper rifle non-threateningly to the side. Deadshot could take Flag out in his sleep. And why isn't the Enchantress fighting back? I could kill all of you right now, Flag shouted, desperation in his tinny voice. Quinzel, Harkness, Lawton, Jones, and Yamashiro all stood motionless in the distance. No reaction whatsoever. If Waller wasn't inside this tiny room, she might have suspected that Moon was playing with her mind. But you won't, El Diablo said in a voice that was quieter and more calm than any Waller had yet heard him use. Because you're not one of the bad guys, Colonel. So you can't do what bad guys do. Kill each other. And at that moment, Waller knew that he was right. Until now, she had been hoping that Flagg's betrayal had all been a feint, a method with which to gain Dr. Moon's, no, the Enchantress's trust, in order to get the heavy hitters close enough to take her out. The pieces were all in place, after all. Here they were, all in the same room, and the all-powerful Enchantress was apparently non-combative. He won't stand aside, she thought, and he definitely won't kill Moon himself. She flipped open the plastic cover that protected the unlabeled switch. The Joker's voice jarred her. I'm dying to see what your little toy will do, Waller. He had no idea how accurate that sentiment really was. 
She gripped the switch between her thumb and forefinger. This was it. Suddenly, the heavy steel door at the back of the room clanged open, and a small blur blur of motion shot in front of her. Amanda Waller did not possess reflexes acute enough to actually see the speeding object, but half a moment later, she discovered that her cigarette was no longer in her mouth. Were she to witness the event with the aid of a high-speed camera, she would have been able to see with perfect clarity that the speeding blur was a run-of-the-mill wooden boomerang thrown by none other than Digger Harkness, a man who, according to the monitor Waller was staring at, was currently outside on the street impassively watching Colonel Flagg threaten to blow up his brain. The speeding boomerang, in a feat of amazing precision and dexterity, (laughs) spun directly towards Waller's mouth and slid underneath her last silk-cut cigarette with enough force and friction that it popped away from her red lips and clung to the boomerang as it spun away from Waller's unharmed face and back towards the door. As it returned to Harkness's hand, it passed his own waiting mouth and deposited the still-lit cigarette there as if placed by an invisible hand. The entire trick took less than a second. Harkness grinned. Good eye, mates, he said jovially as Waller and the Joker reeled from the sudden onslaught of stimuli. The intruder sucked Waller's cigarette down to the filter, flicked it away, then said, I bet you weren't all expecting to see Captain Boomerang here to... But he was cut off as his, as his skull exploded outward with the force of a quarter stick of dynamite. Waller let the toggle switch return to the neutral position as Harkness's body slumped to the floor. His boomerang still held firmly in his dead hand. It was all apparently too much for the Joker, who doubled over in hysterical laughter. In another blink, two gunshots rang out like cannons in the tiny concrete room, and both of the guards that had been standing to either side of the Joker lay dead on the ground. Their bodies slumped on top of what remained of Harkness. The Joker was overcome by another violent fit of laughter as the tall, dark form of Floyd Lawton, codenamed Deadshot, stepped into the room, both pistols trained on Waller. Okay, so you do have your own death box, huh? He demanded as he stepped over the corpses he just made and closed the distance distance to Waller. He seemed to notice Harkness's body, but just shook his head and moved on. (laughs) Waller blinked. She gave Lawton an appraising stare, then turned to look at the tiny monitor on the wall. There, in the fuzzy display, looking as if he hadn't moved at all, stood another Floyd Lawton standing behind El Diablo, sniper rifle still in hand. Furthermore, he still appeared to be standing next to a perfectly intact Digger Harkness. What the hell? She thought, her mind spinning. Only one of me is real. Lawton said coolly, as he closed the gap between them, bent down, and pressed his forehead against hers. Waller was so surprised by this that her grip tightened instinctively on the kill box, her finger still on the switch. Not so fast, Waller, Lawton continued, shiny bald head still pressed against her. You flip that switch and blow up my noodle, I'm taking yours with me. He then pressed the barrel of a handgun to the underside of her chin. Same goes for any of those other noodles. Waller thought fast. He was right. If she hit the switch marked Lawton, it would be suicide. The headless mess that was Harkness was enough proof of the explosive power of the brain chips. She cursed to herself, realizing that although the Enchantress was unable to affect her mind while they were separated by the lead-laden walls, that didn't stop her from magically affecting what appeared in front of Flagg's head-mounted video camera. 
But how much of the video feed is illusion, and how much is really happening? The Joker continued to cackle like a hyena at the center of the room, Harkness's blood pooling at his knees. Waller knew she had been outmaneuvered, but if she could flip that unlabeled switch before Lawton killed her, she might still manage to save the day. It would be violent and chaotic, and she had no way of knowing if the Enchantress would actually be destroyed. But then again, Waller wouldn't be around to care about the outcome. Her superiors would probably dismiss her for her apparent lack of follow-through, but what other option did she have at the moment? The contingency was created for just such an occasion as this. In that last moment, with Lawton's bald head pressed against her hairline and the Joker gasping for breath between violent fits of laughter, she couldn't help but think about the Enchantress. The witch had projected ghost images of all of the members of Task Force X in front of Flag, so that the team could sneak up on Waller without arousing suspicion. The possessed woman had clearly had some sort of change of heart and had begun helping them. But why? Was it because Waller had gained custody of the Joker? Did Quinzel goad her into helping somehow in order to get back to her Mr. J? What did this, quote, suicide squad do to calm the old witch's fury and turn her powers of illusion to their own benefit? The illusions. In a rush of clarity, it all clicked into place, and Waller would have had to reach for the desk for support if Lawton wasn't there holding her in place. She stared at the screen out of the corner of her eye for a long moment, her breath quickening. The Enchantress was much more clever and much more powerful than she had ever imagined. If she could project a fake Lawton and Harkness out in front of Flagg's camera for Waller's benefit, then she could use those same illusions to dupe the team into doing exactly what she wanted them to do. She could maneuver Flagg and El Diablo into fighting one another as a distraction. She could trick Harkness into breaking into Waller's magic-proof room. And once that door was open... Waller's own mind was putty in the Enchantress's hands. All she had to do then was put Waller in a no-win situation. Moon knew exactly what she would do when that happened. Put a permanent end to Task Force X. She thought about the unlabeled switch and smiled. Dr. Moon, you are far too clever for your own good. She said smoothly, her eyes locked onto Lawton's. Lawton frowned and stared at her for a long moment, pulling his head away from Waller's. Finally, in a voice that was not his own, he said, Well, if you won't kill them, then I'll do it myself. And in an instant, a thick black smoke erupted from Lawton and swirled around Waller like ink striking water. She fell backwards against the desk, no longer supported by the tall man, who exploded in a fit of illusory magic and took on the slight, haunting form of the Enchantress herself. The smoke circled the room like a tiny hurricane, then cleared. Waller spun, seeing that the two guards who had been shot in the back by the specter of Lawton were no longer lying dead on the ground, but appeared to be unconscious but alive and leaning against the back wall near the door. The eight monitors, which had all been static a moment before, now displayed six bright digital images, all of which seemed to be staring at a dark, imposing figure in a cape, and... Were those cat ears? <laughs> the only two monitors that still displayed static were marked Slipknot and Harkness. <laughs> Waller wondered at this for a moment, but quickly saw that Digger Harkness's headless corpse was still lying there with blood pooling in frightening amounts in the center of the room. The Joker was nowhere to be seen, 
but the bloody footprints that led out the still-open door and into the dark hallway beyond were explanation enough. Dr. Moon, smoking at the seams like the embers of a dying fire, struck out with both hands and grabbed the kill box free of Waller's grip, pushing her back against the side wall as if she had been thrown by Killer Croc. She struck the concrete hard, which knocked the wind out of her. She slumped to the cold floor and tried to regain her breath. You're smart to have given Flag a fake kill box, Waller, she said as she inspected the simple black box. His mind was too easy to overthrow. Turns out he had a bit of a soft spot for me. So she's already tried to use Flag's kill box to take out the team, Waller thought, and she's going to try again with mine. She strained to speak through gasping breaths. Don't! So this is the master switch. Moon, no, the Enchantress, asked as she gripped the unlabeled toggle. She thinks the button will take out the whole team, Waller thinks with excitement. A master switch. She struggled to respond, playing into the Enchantress's assumptions. Don't! Do it! Please! Oh, Amanda, she said, almost sounding like the old Dr. Moon again. Grown attached to your suicide squad, have you? Surprising, since you've already taken two of them out yourself. I'm just finishing the job for you. You sure are, Waller mused to herself, as she closed her eyes and smiled. She thought about all the details of the contingency plan that she never told Flag or the rest of the squad about, delighting in the fact that Dr. Moon had no way of knowing that the Master Switch in fact served not to set off but to disarm all of the tiny bombs that lay within the brain cases of each member of Task Force X, freeing them from bondage once and for all. On top of that, <laughs> Waller was the only living soul who knew about the two additional explosives housed within the twin kill boxes that were set to go off three seconds afterwards. She felt a brief pang of guilt for Colonel Flagg's imminent fate and hoped that there was nobody else standing within 30 feet of him. The Enchantress flicked the switch. Silence. Moon waited half a beat before saying, I was kind of hoping for a bigger bang. She gets it. Waller, Moon, and the little concrete room cease to exist. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Whoa! Well done. Yowza! It was a long one. That was a it long was. one. How long was it? That was, I want to say, maybe 3,000 words. <laughs> wow. Yeah. 3,300. Yeah. My goodness. <laughs> I think that's the longest we've ever done. Shannon. Definitely the longest. Be. Yeah. Definitely. As one that is prone to being more verbose, uh, yes, that is longer <laughs> than anything I've written for this show. Well, hopefully it wasn't like, you know, length for the sake of length. Hopefully it was, it was well used. Yeah. I mean, did you feel the length on it? No, I, I was I was wrapped in. You had a good hook, and what is that extra switch? What's the contingency plan? And you kept us interested in it, and you paid it off. So that cool. was that was really good. All right. Uh, and I had to say on that, just this isn't a criticism of the story, but the thought just struck me that the climax is dependent upon the Enchantress being too lazy to flip the switches individually. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why flip these one by one when I can do a master switch? Exactly. Hey, I'm on board with that. I get that. Yeah. Oh, who's got time? Yeah. Flipping toggles. <laughs> and, you, and you want the big boom. 
Uh-huh. I've been doing magic all day. Yep. My commute's going to be a complete pain after blowing up Midtown. Uh, that's true. It's all true. Uh, uh, this 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 was excellent. Um, I Yes, it, yeah, word count wise, yes, it's longer, but there was so much going on, and there was so much being discovered from moment to moment. You know, things, you know, reversals and um reveals you know it's it, it was entertaining all the way through i i was i'm with marcus i was gripped yeah the, the whole time yeah gotcha i dug it uh so a couple thoughts i want to mention just things that i noticed mm-hmm. first of all i loved that the protection was lead paint because that's <laughs> a old dc staple you know superman can't see through lead yep <laughs> so that was that was a nice little nod to that was that conscious yeah absolutely Excellent. Uh, and then, of course, he threw in a line near and dear to my heart, which was a reference to Iron Man, <laughs> <laughs> where Jeff Bridges' Obadiah Stain says, my armor is better than yours in every conceivable way, Tony. <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought you'd like that. I figured you'd pick up on that, that if anybody me. would. Good. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I enjoyed it. Um, one thing from a, a continuity perspective mm-hmm. that seemed a little bit off was that if I am correct in my interpretation, at the start of the story, Rick Flagg's box actually worked, and at the end of it, it was a decoy. Is that something uh, that slipped, he never or is used that something it. I missed? He never used it. Um, he had it out and had it in front of him, switches, but he never actually hit a button. Yes, but... So we never see that it is non-functioning. But we were in Waller's head, and she seemed to behave as though it was functioning. That, that was the... Oh, sure, I get what you're saying. Interpretation I, I got. So yeah. it seemed to me like that was something that you had the idea as you were writing it mm-hmm. to make that a decoy, yeah. and that maybe it didn't line up with when you started writing. Very possible. I mean, it's the whole thing is definitely a feint. You know, it's it's me yeah. trying to trick out the reader into thinking that reality is different than it is, and right. having these layers of um, of, uh, of kind of revelation, you know, where, where she's figuring things out, and that is changing the context of what is going on. And that's a tricky thing to do, especially oh, when, yeah. when you don't plan at all. You know, this was uh, 100% free written, and I didn't have a plan going in. I had no idea what I was going to do. All I knew was that I didn't really want to do an all-out, like, action scene with the whole squad because it would would have been too many, too many too different many viewpoints, too many yeah. characters, too many, like, I'd have to do, like, here's the Killer Croc moment, here's the Harley Quinn moment, here's the Katana moment, you know, I'd have to wrap all this stuff in and all their different motivations and different viewpoints, and that just sounded like a gosh darn mess. Yeah, what, are, what are you, Christopher Marcus and Steve McFeely? Yeah, No exactly. time to juggle that many characters well. Yep, so I, I kind of focused in a little bit and just tried to keep it as, you know, internal as possible, where the whole thing is basically... Waller's point of view, as she's figuring things out and thinking things through and noticing things, um, just laser focus in. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good choice. And yet it was still incredibly complex. Again, oh my, yes. Like, <laughs> I mean, I think you avoided one complication or one, you know, challenge and created another one for yourself. Um, yeah. Because what you did here sounds just as difficult uh, as what you're describing you didn't do. Um, mm-hmm. So how about you talk a little bit more about that process? 
Yeah, it, I mean, I had trouble with this, you know, figuring out what I was going to do. And that's really why it ended up being a free writing exercise for me is I just had to start writing because I couldn't figure out, I couldn't plot anything out. I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I just started typing and it kind of came together like this. Um, and then, you know, the more I talked about it, you know, I, I like free wrote the thing about the additional switch. I'm like, ooh, that's a cool hook, you know, a nice little red herring in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I realized as I was writing that that was the promise that I had made to the writers. Yeah, that if I didn't have a satisfying reveal for what the switch does, it would be a failure as a piece. So, and I, mind you, I was more than halfway through at this point when I realized this. So I had to kind of go back in, change a couple of things to add a little extra tension, and try to figure out an ending that would pay off. And that was really, really difficult to do because it, it was exactly the stuff like what you said, Marcus. It's like, well, this doesn't make sense necessarily because if the hidden switch if all it does is blow the two kill boxes like as a as like the opposite contingency to the rest of the switches mm-hmm. and yet the enchantress was under the assumption that it was a master switch i mean she could have literally just she had the box in her hand she could just flick all the switches and she would have won done exactly what she had planned oh. <laughs> but the then, effort of flipping all those switches yeah, exactly just tiring so it's there's a lot of things like that in this where it's like you know you think about it too hard it doesn't really make any sense but i, I tried to keep the magic consistent as far as what can be affected by your powers i made sure nothing actually entered the room that was magical until the door had already been opened mm-hmm. uh by captain boomerang thus allowing <laughs> thus allowing the enchantress in Um, so it was just a lot of considerations like that it was really difficult to do and um but it was really fun because it was me discovering the mystery and everything with the audience i think just as i was going kind of finding new fun to be had in the existing situation yeah and in the process you created an incredibly compelling character in waller i mean this you you have this character who is incredibly competent and and ruthless, you know, she is willing to do what it takes to, you know, succeed or, um, you know, cut this off, you know, if it needs to. And watching those gears turn, you did a really great job of, you know, working through the problems, you know, ha- like showing us her thought process. And I appreciated that because it kept me in the moment. But again, she was also incredibly competent, which kept me engaged. Yeah. You you nailed Waller. That was just cold, cool Waller orchestrating everything, always off in that room, just watching the action, making sure all her little pawns are in the right place. Oh fantastic. And so she scared was, was the great. Joker. Like yeah. that was fantastic. Having her scare him. Uh, yeah, no one can push Waller around. So that's that's excellent. Uh and just your use of the Joker, bringing him in, I, that's that was cool. I, I, I wasn't sure because I we didn't play him up too much in the in the pitch. So right. uh, uh, but you had the opportunity to use that character and you used him well. Yeah, and like that started off as like just a random character. I had originally written, you know, maybe a, a quarter of this with this other character, just like some generic general who was just there to kind of breathe over Waller's shoulder and give her a hard time and kind of goad her. But I realized that wait, I could let me just add somebody that the audience might actually care about, you know. So <laughs> yeah. hey, the Joker, I'm going to put that in, and now he's going to be the like kind of agent of chaos in the room. Which I thought worked. Fu- it was fun, at least. Yeah, it was a lot more fun having that 
cute. So let's do uh, some final thoughts here. We can give you your scores. Yeah. Uh, so there were no suicidal squids, which was really disappointing. Haha, gotcha. Uh, <laughs> that's what we were hoping for. But uh, yeah, so I think you did a really good job, uh, especially as you were discovery writing this piece. You know, you're aware of the promises you were making, and obviously another draft would have cleaned up some of those inconsistencies. Mm-hmm. But that's what this is about. It's you know just getting an idea across and sharing it. So that's a lot of fun. Uh, I I liked going through Waller's perspective. I think she's a very captivating character, and we don't often get in her head, so that was very enjoyable. And I liked the the battle and just all the you use the chaos of having so many characters to good effect by having it be things that are spiring out of this woman's control when she's normally in control of everything. Mm-hmm. And that was all very enjoyable. Great. Um, I you know there are some things I was missing. I was missing having any Harley Quinn in it. Yeah, uh, as a bummer. My my secret bonus points were because we had talked about the hot pants and the uh, you know objectification in the trailers. I want to see some man objectification. Oh sure, see a little bulge, a little sugar lumps. Sure, but uh, that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, too bad. That's, Next that's draft. A, that's not a criticism of your work. It's just, just I'm, I'm with just Eric. We were that, that's, that's, that's a draft two edition. Draft yeah. two. It's that's when you polish things up. You know, sex yeah. it up a little bit. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Um, you did get my bonus points of mentioning the name Suicide Squad. I think you said it three times. Yeah, I did. <laughs> so, that was excellent. Uh, overall, I think you did a good job of creating a captivating through line with this story. And that's the most important part. So, I'm going to give you uh, all of the switches <laughs> except for Captain Boomerangs. <laughs> okay. Because you already used that one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is your score. Fantastic. Yay. Andrew? Yeah, so uh, the the biggest criticism that I have for this piece is that in the early going, I was a little unclear of what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and not necessarily in just that Waller herself was confused. It was that I think the description of the setup of the situation was a little confusing. Um, there was a bit of description in there, and I'm just, you know, having trouble remembering specifically what it was, where I, for a second, was confused in that where Waller was in position or in relation to the action, because at one point I was like, she's watching this on a monitor, but then there was another point that made me think that it was happening right in front of her. Sure. Um, so I was a little mixed up there in the early going, but I I was pretty quickly corrected. The, the course was corrected, and I, I, I got an idea of what was going on. Um, but yeah, like this, I, I'm so impressed that you were able to at least get the name of everybody in here and show some really cool action um, from a lot of the characters and show personality in a lot of the characters, even in their moments, like for, um, for uh, Deadshot even. You know, it wasn't real Deadshot, but it was still, it felt a lot like that character and had that attitude. Just the use of the word noodles, you know, like that is a very specific choice that kind of paints this like cooler than cool Will Smith character, you know, so that that was that was cool characterization and very quick bits. And this piece was full of that, um, which I really liked. Um, So and again, uh, my bonus point, 
Uh, good old Captain Boomerang. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were gonna do. I thought you were gonna do the Flash, which was my secret bonus point. Was that you would have a DC hero enter the fray? Oh. Um, because the way that the Boomerang King came in felt a lot like how the Flash works. Yeah. Um. So I thought he was gonna like come in and save it, but I was uh, even more pleased. Uh, when it was just the boomerang and what the boomerang did, uh, that bit of action there, that moment was just a showstopper and then following it up, paying it off, which is killing him (laughs) (laughs) straight up. Um, so yeah, this, this was a lot of fun. So I, I, I'm going to give you, he did get the secret bonus points. We we got a little bat cameo at the end, didn't Mm -hmm. we? Oh, that's right. I had forgotten. That was so quick. I had forgotten about that. That's how Batman does it. He is, after all, the knight. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm glad you caught that in there. That was a last-minute addition, like, right before we we read this. I added that little line in there. Although, Waller not recognizing Batman on the spot is maybe a bit of a stretch. (laughs) Is is, is Batman, like, an established entity, I suppose? Waller knows everything. She's she's the uh, the Sam Jackson, uh, Nick Fury type. Okay. Well, shoot, then you got them both. You got yeah, secret yeah. bonus points, and you got regular bonus points. Um, so considering that and all the good things I've mentioned, um, but also minusing on the bit of uh, lack of clarity near the mm-hmm. beginning, um, I'm going to give you 9 out of 10 boomerangs under uh, dead Captain Boomerang's coat. <laughs> <laughs> I just Boomer assume belt. he like, spreads it out, and yeah. it's just, just hey, boomerangs hanging. You want to buy a boomerang? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so th- there's one one more criticism I wanted to mention here. Oh, okay. It didn't affect the score, uh-huh. but I think it's worth noting. Yeah. Uh, this was something that we miss in a lot of these superhero films as well, is that we didn't get a picture of why the Enchantress needed to be stopped, what the societal threat was, or mm-hmm. what the threat even to Waller's reputation was. So what was the thing other than this was the objective to stop the Enchantress? What was the need for that to happen? And Interesting. I think, okay. I think that's something that gets overlooked in a lot of the superhero films right now. Sure. Uh, the last X Men movie, I noticed that hugely. The uh, uh, was the Apocalypse. Yeah. They just didn't connect on any meaningful level as to why they needed to stop him. the The chaos, the bloodshed, didn't affect the characters in a deep way. And I think it's it's so easy because we know that there has to be a villain in these stories. So innately, we expect there to be importance to stopping the villain. Yeah. But that's something that a few lines peppered throughout sure. really could have hammered I, I mean, it's interesting because in the scope of this, and you don't really get what she's doing until the very end when Waller figures it out, but she is specifically trying to kill the squad. You know, she's right. trying to take out all of them. And to me, that's like, well, that's all you need. You know, it's a personal threat. We need to take her out before she takes us out, that sort of thing. Um, But yeah, I I would agree that there's not any context for what they were doing before the action of this scene and why we Mm -hmm. got to where we are. We really just came in in the middle of it and we rolled with it till the end. And I think what you said about killing the squad, you know, if this was the Avengers, that would probably weigh heavier. Um, Whereas Task Force X is meant to be a suicide squad. What? <laughs> Whereas they're all, you know, dispendable or uh, disposable. Nice. Another and, term uh, that you may be able to use for them are the expendables. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. But anyway, so it, it was it was something that I'm not 
really faulting you for. Mm-hmm. It's just another way, like that button, to keep ranching, ramping up the tension. Sure. If every time that we encounter resistance, we see, oh, crap, this is going to equal end of the world, or this is going to equal the end of Waller's efforts, mm-hmm. that's going to hit us even harder. Gotcha. Yeah, just, yeah, help to know the intention of her. Like, again, like, other than survival, what is her goal in all of this? And yeah, I agree, Marcus, that that wasn't necessarily clear. But I enjoyed the heck out of this. Uh, stretch it out to an hour and a half. Put up some slutty graphics, and I'd buy it. Yeah, how would you I? Know? How would I watch that version of it? Yeah, if you want to do that, uh, I don't think it's in theaters as of October. But we can recommend you wait a couple months and uh, get a Blu-ray or go to a second-run theater. If there are still second-run theaters after everything went all digital. <laughs> I don't know how the world works anymore. Uh, but, yeah, I recommend it. It's it's a fun film. It's, uh, watch the trailer. You know, the trailer is a lot like the movie, except shorter and more action-packed. So that's an option, too. Uh, I don't know about more action-packed, because that's the whole reason you go see that movie. It's it's two hours of just nothing but boom-boom. Boom-boom, <laughs> indeed. Well, uh, yeah, so that's that's what I would do. Just go to a uh, movie theater and wait until you can buy it. Well, boom, everybody! Boom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, we good? Until next we time, good, right? Walk, watch out for your boomerangs. Oh, they look come out! Back they to you. they yeah. come back. Watch out, duck! Better duck! Uh, <laughs> bye, bye. Sham Fiction is produced by Two Jackets Productions, which is Eric Carlson, Marcus Mann, and Andrew Neal. Special thanks to Reed Reimer for providing the music. For a full list of episodes and to read this week's fiction, visit shamfiction.com. Follow us on Twitter at shamfiction, and please, don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. Sham Fiction. Write what you don't know. Next week, Sham Fiction gets dark. As Andrew explores a side of his psyche we all suspected was there this whole time. That's right, Spooky Tober is in full effect, so keep your kitchen knives sharp and try not to get too excited about the serial killer that just moved into town. I mean, someone might think that maybe you were the killer. You're not, right? I mean, I'm not. Is Andrew? Find out next week on Sham Fiction. <laughs>